What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Ro. And I'm Savannah. What's up, queens? And this is Lilith. And we have some great stuff coming up for you today. Today, we're doing uh, some FAQs that we get a lot on the subreddit. And finally, we're going to take some questions from our Ask FDS subreddit, where you can get some insight live from some FDS strategists. Sounds like a good deal. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So first up, FAQs. This is a question we get over and over and over. And I I feel like a lot of times it's in an accusatory tone. And the question we get often is, are you feminist? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> is FDS a feminist subreddit? Is it a feminist group? Yeah, I agree with you guys. It's we're we're feminist, but I think the caveat is that we don't necessarily a hundred percent adhere to any one school of thought when it comes to feminism. We're more feminist in the way that we believe in the advancement socially, politically, economically, and legally of women. Yeah. Especially in in the context of, you know, relationships where women have been conditioned pretty much since we came out of the womb to constantly neglect and forego our own needs and wants and desires as well. Yeah, I think people who say, you know, that we're not feminist, first of all, it's mostly like male people, you know, saying you're not real feminists because you don't serve my interests, which is to be expected from people with competing interests from us. I actually think that we are the most distilled pure form of feminism because we don't, we cut all the other shit. Okay. We are just about the ruthless advancement of women bar none without any other considerations. And that was what feminism was originally about, right? Before um, the third wave came in and started this whole, you know, split down the middle. We're just like men 50, 50. Yeah. And it's like, uh, well, I mean, in theory, that sounds like the end, um, you know, a good solution to our problems to go 50-50. But in reality, you know, we can see that that just doesn't translate at all. It, it ends up a lot of times disadvantaging women to pretend there are no sex-based differences or to kind of keep... It, it, a lot of times it feels like there's a lot of pressure on women to climb that corporate ladder, uh, do everything the boys can. And I, while it's clear that we can do those things and we're fully capable, what is it costing us and how can we make society better suit the specific needs of us as women? I think there's been a huge eye-opening awakening from a lot of working mothers because of this pandemic where they're kind of like, hey, I really thought I was, you know, this staunch third wave feminist. I was uh, very focused on my career. And then as soon as the pandemic hit, I am stuck at home with my children all the time who they, you know, they very much love, but raising children is a lot of work. And they're realizing that, okay, I don't have any support. I'm not getting a ton of support from my job. I'm not getting support from my husband. And I think where FDS comes in is like, we're, we're really trying to at least help to screen men for their ability to be supportive of you. And I mean, genuinely, when it comes to housework, child rearing, household management, those kinds of things that I think um, a lot of feminist uh, thought leaders have been complaining about for a while, but there hasn't really been any type of discussion about how do we change that? Or it seems to me like, well, you need to start making those demands up front and you need to start vetting men to make sure they have that capability then waiting till a tragedy hits like this. And then suddenly the entire world collapses on you as a woman because, and, and some women are breadwinners. I think there's been a lot of women that have been pushed out of the workplace through layoffs or they've left voluntarily because they can't afford childcare. 
But for those women who they like, wanted to stay in the, and they, they're now at home and they have, you know, they just have no resources to work with. And that's just not a great position to be in, even women who otherwise would be economically safe. To add on to that, I do think that people tend to get caught up on the definition of feminism as equality. You know, we all know the definition of feminism as the social, political, and economic equality of the sexes. Yeah, men men use it to weaponize it. Yeah, men tend to use that to, like, gaslight women. Yeah, they weaponize the word equality, and they go like, well, what about men? And, like, we're oppressed too. And it's crazy because they'll do terrible things to women, and then when we do the same thing, they point at us and go like, well, you're, you're a hypocrite, and therefore I'm allowed to continue doing my terrible thing, but you're not allowed to do your terrible thing. Basically, FDS is just about being like, you know what? We don't give a shit about equality. (laughs) (laughs) Because equality, you know, let's be real, you know, equality between the sexes, it doesn't exist. Like, let's be real. The double standards between um, behaviors and expectations from, you know, between men and women are not even the same. I mean, we're physically different. You know, we're physically different. And even, you know, things like our sexuality, how we're perceived, um, you know, when we're, you know, as sexual beings is totally different. Yeah. Like you can't go 50-50 on childbirth, right? Like if a woman is like a woman is pregnant and giving birth and like breastfeeding her child, right? There's like the man has to really step the fuck up if he wants to come even close to, you know, he's there's in fact first of all not possible for him to go 50-50 on that. He can put a ton of effort into it and maybe it'll be like 70-30. But that being said, because women are so vulnerable because of, you know, oppression based on reproduction, I think we'd get to aim for the stars. (laughs) I don't give a shit what men think. (laughs) The other thing I think to recognize too is that it's not as if feminism has always been one monolithic way of thinking. There's always been varying schools of thought about what quote unquote equality looks like, how to go about said equality. And I think that sort of the mainstream girl power consumerist feminism is has become the most popular kind of feminism, or at least the one that's been co-opted by again, our capitalist overlords that basically decide all these movements. I, I have a similar beef with the way they co-opted Black Lives Matter and and took a lot of the bite out of it. Um, but I think it's important to discuss the fact that this is this is an ongoing conversation. It's not like this is what feminism is. This is settled and that's it. When there's always been dissenters on certain schools of thought. And so people calling us, oh, you guys aren't real feminists. It's like, well, what the heck is a real feminist? You're just taught it's it's the same thing as saying, well, you guys aren't real conservatives or you guys aren't real liberals or you guys because quite frankly, even within the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, that's in the United States. <laughs> I probably should. I, I, this podcast is so U.S. centric because I and I keep forgetting about our foreign friends. But okay, but just think left wing versus right wing uh, parties, and you know there's dissent within those parties. It, it's never it's never like everyone here believes in the exact same thing. There's general principles that people believe in, but the execution of which there's always dissent. That there's always discussion about how to make uh, adjustments when new information comes in. That, that's just the nature of the beast. It's a, it's, it's a, a constantly moving post. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, feminism has to constantly evolve because as we evolve, so will misogynists. And I just feel like the past 10 years on the internet has just been a constant arms race between like, 
you know, men who hate women and women being like, hey, wait a fucking minute. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And this is what really, really irritates me sometimes about our critics. I don't know if they just rather bury their head in the sand, but I always want to point out in case you guys have not noticed, these guys are building an army of pissed off, radicalized men who are going out into the dating world and deliberately attacking us, right? Or trying to manipulate us. And this is not like the cutesy pickup artist stuff like from back in the early 2000s where you kind of wanted them to win because you feel like, okay, they're kind of awkward guys and they just need some help talking to women. I think I think a lot of times people just thought like Red Pill and MGTOW and all those types of things that those are those guys. Those guys, these, these new crop of Manosphere weirdos, they are deliberately hostile and they're trying to make they're trying to change things socially politically economically to basically create a return to patriarchy and it's i mean mean, there are guys there are guys on fds who straight up root for climate change because they want like a mad max situation where you know society collapses and they can reinstate patriarchy that's what we're up against Guys on the red pill. Yeah, red pillar incels, that kind of stuff. Yeah, MGTOW as well. They'll say like, oh, I love China because they put people in concentration camps. Like, that is what we're up against. So when people say that FDS is like red pill for women, it's like looking at any situation where someone is being attacked and saying, oh, the person being attacked is just as bad. Man goes out and rapes a woman and is like, oh, you know, her not wanting to get raped is just as bad as him wanting to rape her. Like, that's exactly what it means when people say we're we're just red pill for women or whatever. Yeah, it's completely disingenuous. And I think it's a, an extremely lazy comparison considering the vastly different goals between the two and the vastly different strategies. And you know, we don't really promote any kind of sociopathic manipulation. I think if you saw that kind of stuff on our subreddit, it would look like a very different thing, right? If we were sitting there sharing strategies on how to, you know, trick guys into children that aren't theirs, how to get out of, um, I don't know, but something like that. Take guys to the cleaners during divorce. Yeah, that kind of stuff. We don't strategize about that. Although sometimes we do. We take guys to the cleaners during divorce if he deserves it. Yeah. And we also talk about like prenups, but more from the angle of, you know, women need, especially if, if, um, you know, women are accomplished, have assets, it's more to protect the woman, not necessarily like just to rinse the man. Yeah. We're not, I mean, we're not out here making these sociopathic type strategies for the, you know, intent purpose of subjugating men. And in fact, like anything that we do is really, like, the things that red pillars and MGTOW types do is for their own advancement over... It's just basically like, fuck you, I got mine. It's solely for their own benefit. The stuff we talk about on female dating strategy benefits women as a whole, and it also benefits our children. Like, when a guy, when we expect a guy to pay for dates, we're asking him to prove that he can be not just a good partner, but also potentially a good father. So it's not just about you know, uh, the benefit of us as individuals. It's the benefit of women as a whole and children. Precisely. And, uh, um, you know, I'm really glad you touched on that point about, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, our kids have good fathers. I think, again, women, you know, have been, you know, vetting or taught to vet for partners, but then they quickly find that when kids come into the mix, they find out that their partner is actually very, very useless as a father. And that will have 
a very negative impact on the children. Children understand relationship dynamics, the potential for there to be damage done in terms of like multi-generational damage done. It's so important that women get the decision right as well, not just for themselves, like you said, but for their children and their grandchildren and and great, 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 great grandchildren as well. Exactly. When red pillars are out there trying to game or whatever, all they are thinking is of that night. They just want to get their dick wet that night. And they're not thinking at all further into the future, right? Women are thinking not just, is this person good relationship material, but is this person someone who will step up to, to the plate in the event of, say, a pandemic or some other tragedy, and who will really step up and go the extra mile as a parent and not just as a boyfriend? So that kind of brings us to our next FAQ, which is, do you care that FDS promotes double standards when dealing with men? The short answer is no. And I'll explain why, because ultimately, you know, FDS isn't an equality strategy. It's an equity strategy. One thing that that makes FDS unique is that we understand that the dynamics between men and women are inherently, they're not equal. As much as, you know, liberal feminism likes to say equality between the sexes, we know that does not exist. Therefore, we need to switch to equitable strategies in order to have somewhat of a chance against the unequal dynamics that society has essentially generated between men and women. So, for example, you know, let's say, you know, FDS, a teaching is that we don't share our sexual histories with men, but it's important to to have an understanding of a man's sexual history. So things like, does he watch porn? You know, his views on casual sex. And for me personally, I thought that was a huge double standard until I came to understand that the reason why that is, is because the sexualities of say men and women are judged very, very differently. A promiscuous man is not judged anywhere near as harshly as a woman who's even slept with two men. And that's just the way it is. So, um, in short, no, because, I mean, double standards sometimes exist for a very good reason. And, you know, the reason that we have is that um, we don't live in an equitable society for women. Like, we just don't. Yeah. Liberal feminists will try to, you know, create this narrative that even mentioning the difference in how men and women are treated sexually, that itself is perpetuating patriarchy and that's what makes us unfeminist. But the thing is, is there's nothing patriarchal or anti-woman about acknowledging like the reality of the world that you're in, right? You don't, you're not advancing women by sleeping with every man you see, you know, you're only hurting yourself. You're not actually doing anything to harm patriarchy. It's not beneficial for women to pretend like we already live in a world that's equal and just sort of turn a blind eye to all the ways that it's not. These are the same kinds of people who think that we're perpetuating patriarchy when we ask a a man or expect a man to pay. These are the same people who think there's nothing wrong with, you know, having an OnlyFans. Like, why is it considered patriarchal for a guy to pay for your dinner, but not for him to pay for your OnlyFans or for your, you know, to pay for your porn services? (laughs) To see your ass out, yeah. It makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) To see your ass out, yeah. Yeah, it's been ridiculous to kind of see them tie themselves in knots to always uh, excuse what I've now come to understand is left-wing patriarchy. I think it's really easy to 
point fingers at the traditional conservative and say, look at those women over there, how they're being exploited and held back from their potential. But then look at all the women who have turned to sex work out of economic dependency or serious emotional and physical damage. And it's like they never want to focus on those cases. They always want to focus on sort of the pretty woman uh, voluntary sex workers or the, or the sex workers that make the most out of this industry and not what it takes out of them. But I feel like it's just, in, just ingenuous to do that as it is for, I think, traditional conservatives to always highlight like the really, really good marriages where it really works, where the, where the wife stays home and the father is the patriarch of the family and then ignore all the carnage from the women who for which that arrangement led to a lot of abuse. So I think for us, when we're talking about uh, double standards between men and women, you're looking at essentially uh, a divide on the right and the left where there's there's still double standards. You're still seeing women being exploited for reproductive and sexual labor. But for whatever reason, liberal feminists have decided to coin that as empowerment or say that is the future. And we're just not buying it, essentially. And we're saying, mm, I don't know about that. But even men have said that, you know, things like OnlyFans, if you ask, if you go onto any, if you type into Google experiment for the listeners and Google, would you date a sex worker, Reddit, almost unanimously, they'll all be saying no. But then how many of them also watch porn? It's very, it's very Madonna hoary, like complex with, you know, with sex workers. And it's like, if it was truly empowering, the people making the most money would be men. Like men have managed to dominate pretty much every industry on earth, partly because of female disenfranchisement and, you know, putting up barriers to women entering the workplace so we can compete on an even level. But men have managed to dominate pretty much all of the highest paying professions, politics, engineering, you know, science, you know, you know, at the top, you'll see a man. If it was truly empowering, why don't we see... Yeah, like, why isn't Bill Gates out there stripping, you know? like <laughs> yeah, I want to see, see Donald Trump out there in a G-string, okay? Gy- gyrating his hips for money, okay? Like, that's real empowerment. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> did you, I mean, have you guys seen what the Coomers who run Pornhub look like when they did that? They were in some kind of Canadian, um, I, I think, parliamentary review, and... It struck me that think of all the women that have gone through Pornhub and there was no females at the top making the big bucks off all that sexual exploitation. So when they're talking about empowerment, I'm like, you're talking about basically a big pool of labor for men to exploit. It doesn't particularly look to me that they're getting the power positions, even in this industry, that women are most of the labor force. Even the CEO of OnlyFans is a British male. He's a man. Yeah. If it was set up by a sex worker and she was, you know, taking the coins, I'd be like, fair play. You know, that is, I'm not sure I'd call it empowerment, but it's something, progress, right? But it's still owned by a man who's basically profiting off the bodies of hundreds of thousands of women around the world. That I mean, that's the same thing with strip clubs. Any place where you see women being the product, it's always owned by a man. You see men always. at the top, always. I think even the strippers sued some of the strip clubs in New York because they were doing a lot of underhanded illegal things. Like they were trying to cut them out of money they were entitled to um, as independent contractors and they would hit them with a bunch of 
random fees and say, okay, well, you didn't uh, close your locker all the way. And so we're going to hit you with $20 off your, off your uh, tips that you get from stripping. So it's, it's still, even with the women that work in this industry, very unfair. And I know we kind of, we kind of went off on a tangent here on the sex work thing, but I mean, ultimately comprehensively looking at how the world actually works and what is actually benefiting women, what is actually getting women into power positions versus what is just making us easier to exploit you start to realize that trying to pretend that we're going to have equal outcomes when we have uh, a completely unequal demand and unequal risk is just a losing strategy. And so I think with FDS, again, because we're more about equity feminism than just equality as some nebulous concept that's ach- achievable, we're looking at what can we actually do that's going to further the most the largest cross-section of women and put some real power, economic, social, and legal and political power in their pockets. And sometimes that does mean having double standards when it comes to men, especially since we already know men are going to exact double standards on us no matter what we do, because it benefits them. It benefits them to control us sexually. And I can't remember who co- who coined this phrase, um, that conservatives see women as uh, private property and liberal men see women as public property. But, you know, if you're being exploited on, on both these ends, it's time to kind of change your strategy up and start to look at it like, you know, what is going to be most beneficial to me? Right wing people like to promote this idea of female empowerment as like being a good wife and mother and left wing, you know, misogynists like to promote the idea of empowerment as you know, being a, being a hooker. Easily available sexually to men. Yeah. Like not even being a, like an actual prostitute, but being like a free prostitute, like just going free of charge, right? <laughs> I mean, where is the lie? Cause they get an attitude if you demand they pay for dinner. Right. So they really are out here. Like you should love me for me for free. <laughs> you should serve my, you should serve my sexual interests 100% on my terms for free free that will empower you i'm also gonna judge you if you do it though i'm also gonna get mad at you and also the entire culture because some of you are having sex with other guys that aren't me before you meet me because you're only supposed to jump in bed the first night with me specifically it's basically like somebody on the subreddit basically summed it up as you know men you know they have an attitude of basically you know give me what i want and we'll see if it works out for you that's their general attitude towards women. Just give me what I want and we'll see if it works in your favor. It's like, I'm going to do what I fucking want to do. Y'all get in where you fit in. Like, we'll get back around to whatever you need. You know, I don't know if, again, nature versus nurture, but men look out for number one. They learn that they are going to have to fight for their own interests early. So they're not thinking about society (laughs) and how it affects us. They're just like, oh, uh, y'all wanted something? Right wing people will be like, oh, you have to be a Madonna. Left wing people will be like, you have to be a whore. FDS is over here saying, you don't have to be either, ladies. You are a whole ass human being, okay? You don't have to do either of those things. You can do what you want. Because guess what? When you're a woman, you're going to be hated no matter what you do. If you have sex on the first date, you're a whore. If you don't have sex on the first date, you're a prude. So you may as well do what is going to advance your interests the most. And what I find so funny is, you know, men who have that attitude of like, do what I want and we'll see if it works out for you. Those same men get so pressed when they see FDS when we say pretty much the exact same thing, like, buy me dinner and maybe I'll sleep with you three months from now kind of thing. They get so offended when we give them even 1% of the treatment that they give us. 100%. 
They don't like it. The fact that they think it's unjust when we do it just reveals the fact that it's unjust when they do it, period. And so if they're going to continue doing that to us, we get to protect ourselves. That's just life. And I, I, I get tired of the inaction too, because the other thing is that they, for some reason, believe that if we just all uh, keep writing think pieces and informing men and educating men that they're suddenly going to see the light and start being more fair and equitable to us. And I just don't think that's how power works. Works, especially not especially not between men a lot of times how power works with men is how you if you have the type of social economic legal or political power to leverage it in your favor and so this idea that if we just write a million thing pieces about how certain aspects of the culture are unfair that suddenly men are all going to see the light seems to me to be really really naive like you have to enforce consequences. And sometimes those consequences are, you know, they're around things that are are uh, thought to be double standards between men and women, especially around sex, which means that as women, we need to privilege ourselves in this area. You can't worry about how men feel about you turning them down for sex. Who cares? They don't really care how you feel about a dick pic that you got. Some guys care. And we would call a lot of these guys that actually make the effort to understand women, high value men. But how many men just like, you know, start with sexual in- innuendo, do all these things that are really highly threatening or make women uncomfortable and just don't have a care in the world about that. Yeah. Like about the whole million think pieces thing, it reminds me, I feel like as a culture, we've adopted this like same attitude. You know, when you're in a relationship with like a low value, really shitty man and you're trying to like communicate with him, like, yeah, I'd really like if you could like, you know, reply to me faster than like 10 hours or, you know, I'd really like if you could remember. Could you give a single solitary fuck, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just one. It would be nice if you could like remember my birthday. Or oh, just be lucky if you just give a shit about me, basically. Can you? spare a fuck my friend (laughs) like when you're as a woman in a relationship having to beg for like basic human decency respect and acknowledgement we know that that doesn't work if you have to do that just break up with them right and that's why like as a culture we just need to break up with men okay like if they're (laughs) if they're not going to listen to good faith that's a standing ovation in the background thank you yeah Women as a as a sort of union, so to speak, I'm very like pro-union, right? Like women as a union need to collaborate and demand, you know, better working conditions. Okay. <laughs> yes. It just seems to have just regressed when you've literally got women on Reddit, you know, asking how they can tell their boyfriend to wash their ass properly. Like- oh God. I have PTSD from those posts. I really do. I have secondhand PTSD. Yeah, that shit makes me go like, okay, ladies, we need to have a general strike. Preach. Okay, we need to <laughs> cut them off, okay? We're gonna Liza Strata the shit out of this issue, Group okay? Puddle. I'm like halfway mad at her because I'm like, sis, you need to hold the line. I'm mad at you right now. <laughs> Nobody should have to beg a person to be washed. To be washed. That's where we're at in the gender wars. Begging them to wash themselves. And to not have shit in their ass crack. And that's actually such a good point because, you know, people will look at FDS and think that we're misogynist because we get mad at other women sometimes for accepting stupid shit from men. No, that's union politics, okay? Like, if someone crosses a picket line, you know, historically speaking, if someone crosses a picket line, they get fucking beat up, okay? Like... (laughs) (laughs) Great analogy. You know, like, union members do not take kindly to people who break the strike and go to work anyways. As women, we get to feel angry at other women for, you know, kind of 
essentially being traitors to, you know, woman as a political entity. And it isn't even anger at the woman. It's just, it's also for me, it's a profound sense of sadness that this woman doesn't realize that she's just fucking herself over in so many ways for a guy who, who doesn't wash his ass. He doesn't text her back. Like it's so sad. The answers are so patronizing. Cause it'll be like, Hey, have you tried sprinkling a trail of soap crumbs to the bathroom? Or, or you can shower together, make it sexy. I was like, what? You know, what is sexy about washing shades out of a guy's ass? <laughs> what? What? Give him a sponge bath when he's sleeping because then he'll know you're really in it to win it. Yeah, that, that's he'll know you're a ride or die chick is if you give him a, give his butthole a fucking sponge bath while he sleeps. That's how he knows you're wifey, wifey material. What? Like, ugh. Maybe he's depressed. You don't know what he's going through. I can't tell you how many posts I've seen on Reddit of like, my boyfriend doesn't brush his teeth. My boyfriend only showers once a week. My boyfriend never does laundry and wears the same pair of underwear like 20 days in a row. Like, Do you remember the bed nest post where like the boyfriend slept in a, in a nest and wanted her to sleep in the... Like, and <laughs> it's like a nest of clothes on the floor and he wanted her to sleep in the nest. And this is why we have the double standard, because the things that men want for women is outrageous. And the things that we want from men is to regularly clean themselves. Men want us to fuck like a porn star or whatever, but uh, women just want you to wash your butthole and your mouth. Okay. The entire butthole. The entire butthole, the outside, all of it. (laughs) If you can see it or feel it, you should wash it. Yeah. If you can touch it, see it or feel it. Wash it, my friend. It is not gay to wash your own asshole. (laughs) 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 These are the things we're talking about. How are we going to be equal in this market where we are taught, where we are nowhere near the same standard? There's just no way. Yeah. Like, I think we had a post a while back that was, like, um, talking about the 80-20 rule and how, like, um, oh, 80% of women only go for the top 20% of guys. And the and we were basically like, no, the reality is that 80% of women are quite literally equal in value to 20% of men. It just so happens that 80% of men are trash and inferior to those 80% of women. And then, of course, we got all the, like, oh, my gosh, that's my century. You're saying that women are superior. Yes, that is exactly what we are saying. Women are superior. Say it loud and say it proud, ladies. Feel it in your spirit. Yeah. We deserve so much better than that shit. And it's only when you organize that in a union, you know, in a place like FDS, that you really, really see just the bar is so, so low for men and a lot of them still can't reach it. The bar is low for men. It is low. Low. The bar is being flossed through the devil's butt cheeks right now. And it came out with skid marks. (laughs) Like like Hades. Like Hades in hell is using it to do the limbo. That is how low the bar is. And he's literally like sliding on the floor. Yeah, so all these people going on about double standards. I'm like, get fucked, okay? Do you know? Have you seen men? <laughs> oh, oh. My abs hurt from laughing. Great segment. It was a great segment, ladies. Great, great segment. <laughs> 
high quality content. This is what the people come to hear. So on this segment of the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, we are going to take some questions from Ask FBS, the subreddit, and answer them live and have a little live discussion. So we have a question here that says, do low value men change? Um, the poster is thinking about this as she was reflecting on and laughing about, because if you don't laugh, sometimes you'll cry, right? <laughs> about my low value slash like negative value exes. Uh, she's pretty sure that one of her exes is married with a child and she wouldn't be surprised if the others are in other relationships. Of course, she says that getting in another relationship doesn't exactly mean change behavior, but in terms of looking for and meeting a high value man, what if they were low value before? Or is the concept of high value something that's pretty stable and embedded in a man's character? So essentially, the poster is asking, do low value men change once they're through with you? And I'm going to go on a limb here and say, it's possible for people to change, uh, but in the case of low value men, I think is extremely unlikely. A lot of their habits, beliefs, um, and behavioral patterns have been embedded in them for a very, very long time. And if you think about, say, if you have a, you know, like a bad habit, right? Say, I mean, because I tend to, for example, I tend to rock in chairs, which don't have a back. I was called rocking horse in school. It was a subconscious thing, um, but I rock in chairs. I didn't even notice until my friend said it. But anyway, if I was to try and stop that habit, it would be very, very difficult because it's something I've been doing um, for a very, very long time. And it's ingrained in my movement pattern. So if you think of something like that, and then you try and apply that to say, um, a man who has been treating women badly for a very, very long time, he didn't learn that behavior when he was with you. Those thought patterns were there already. And even if I was reading, um, you know, why does he do that by Lindy Bancroft? We, we often like to say, well, men should just go to therapy, but actually therapy, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily fix a man. It can actually make him worse because it gives him the ammunition to, um, to justify his abusive nature, essentially. So that was a very, very long winded of saying it depends, but I think it's very unlikely. And, you know, we only, especially on social media, we only see the highlights of people's relationships. You know, this is why when people or celebrities break up, everybody acts shocked because, you know, they're only posting the highlights of their relationship. We don't actually know what's happening behind closed doors. And, um, like social media is, you know, very, very much about smoke and mirrors. So it, you know, it might be true that he's married with a child and the others are in relationships, but it doesn't actually mean that he's changed fundamentally. I think, um, what happens with a lot of these low value men is that they just find, a woman who was willing to overlook a lot of their poor behavior and hence why they settle down in quotation marks. Um, I'm not sure what you guys think about I that. I definitely agree with that. People can change. It's just not likely. And it also depends on what the character trait was that made him low value. Um, and also their age, right? I think if they're over 40, forget it. There's no way. Like at that point, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? 
Yeah, you're expired goods if you're over 40, man. And you still got to tell them like basic stuff. And this is why I would even argue maybe over 35 because we talk about a lot of these guys in their mid to late 30s or even early 30s who suddenly want to get a much younger woman because they have not matured their entire teens, 20s, and now their 30s. And so they're still trying to find women who they are at, you know, emotionally and mentally. I think um, I think a man has to want to change and have to has to demonstrate that he's changing because he has a level of empathy or actually wants to um, be in a position where he can be a better partner. I think it actually really depends on his mindset about it. Like there's a lot of guys that make superficial changes just because their ex-girlfriend used to nag about it. And, and um, those are the guys that they haven't really changed. They've just learned how to virtue signal a certain way to make it look like they're a better person. Cause they'll be like, well, my, my ex-girlfriend used to nag all the time that, uh, I, I never used to do the dishes. So then the next thing they do is they post the one time that they did the dishes on Instagram, you know, and they do stuff like that because they're trying to look like I'm not the problem or I've changed or I'm better than this. But fundamentally, the girlfriend still has to ask them to do that. They haven't really started doing this more because they feel like they should pull their fair share. They're just trying to prove a point and or do it to be antagonistic to their ex-girlfriend and or try to deny that they're the problem, right? I think stuff like that is the inability to empathize with women or work with them, uh, work with us as complete people. That's something that's really, really, really hard for a man to change if he is not in the habit of doing that and he hasn't gotten in the habit of doing that and listening to that young. I agree 100%. I think we're all on the same page because the behaviors that cause a man to be low value are things that he's probably learned since childhood. And additionally, they're behaviors that largely benefit him right? And so another thing that Lundy Bancroft says is that the reason why abusive men or, you know, shitty men are are the way that they are is because it's beneficial to them. They are incentivized to continue to be that way. Yeah, it gets them what they want. It gets them what they want, which is either, you know, female attention or servitude or sex or, you know, not having to do work or it gets them out of having to do chores or whatever. And so, so long as they continue to benefit from being that way, they, there is no incentive for them to change. Very few men will change just because it's like the right thing to do. Um, they just don't think that way. They don't think the way that women do. Even something like the no-fap movement, right? We think it's a, a wonderful thing that men are quitting pornography. But if we delve into the reasons as to why they're doing it, very, very few of them are quitting pornography because of the abuse of women. You know, they're quitting it because, you know, they've got erectile dysfunction or they can't perform sexually or it's impacting their work relationships. It's never really because you know, they've sat down and thought this is actually a really, you know, shitty thing to happen to women. Exactly. And that's why, you know, abusive men, for example, are fundamentally to their core are abusive people. And they might not act like that with every single person they meet. They will only act like that with the people that they think that they can get away with it. And so when you see, you know, say you break up with someone who's abusive, and then you go on to see him, you know, having a great relationship on Instagram, don't look at that as though, oh, like he was abusive to me, but now he found this better woman and now he's like changed for her no chances are behind closed doors he's probably just as abusive to her as he was to you and so you shouldn't let yourself feel bad about that because you're not the problem he is 
100%. And, you know, it's like, for example, men don't wake up one morning randomly and start thinking, oh, I'm really going to treat Savannah like shit. Like, this is learned, this is pattern behaviour. They, they, if you show me a low-value man, I will show you a string of women he has damaged and abused. You're not the random mutation relationship where it all goes wrong from you. That's, that's not, I mean, even though they may want you to believe that you're the problem, but you're not actually the problem. The problem is that Exactly. Abusive men will actually say, like, you're the only person who makes me treat you like this. Oh, God. It's a liar. Oh, that's what my ex used to say. That's what my ex, he was always like, I never, it's only with you. Like, I, I only get aggressive with you. And I believed it for a long time. But then I thought, mm. you know, I met him when he was 25. You can't tell me that I all of a sudden made him like shouty and abusive at 25. And another thing I've noticed is a lot of women seem to think that, you know, low value or abusive men, um, they think that they're like these, like calculating, conniving, that they're doing, they, that, you know, in their mind when they say gaslighting you or love bombing you or whatever, that in their head they're going, I'm going to gaslight you to cause you to question your perception of reality and blah, 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 blah. No, they're not consciously doing it. These are all like habits that they've developed because it served them in the past. They've It's a behavior that's yielded them positive results in the past. And so they're just going to continue to do that. I think a lot of abusive people don't even seem to realize that they're abusive. They just think that that's normal. Um, and so, th- 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 you know, when you tell a guy like, oh, you're gaslighting me or, oh, you're love bombing me or something like that, they'll actually be confused because they, they are not that aware of their behavior. There are some guys, granted, there are some guys who are actually calculating like that, like the true, like, narcissist, the true... Con artist, yeah. Yeah, the true conners, the true narcissists, so- sociopaths, psychopaths, but they're like, what, 10% of the population or something? We can't just keep pretending like, oh, it's only a small percentage of men who are bad. Like, I'd say 80% of men are low value or just like emotionally abusive simply because, you know, that's just what they've learned to be normal. Our culture incentivizes incentivizes that. And more specifically, a lot of these guys learn from childhood that they can get away with the barest, and I mean the barest of minimums when it comes to investing in their family, investing in other people. And I think a lot of that has to do with how a lot of our sons are raised to be these kind of consumerist um I mean, they just, they spend so much of their time uh, worrying about themselves. And then we talk about this sometimes too, where a lot of times uh, women and girls are socialized to worry about the family and the group very early on. But for whatever reason, this last crop of men uh, didn't get that. It's not the same as maybe back in the olden days where, you know, both men and women uh, worked on the farm and they got up at the crack of dawn and, uh, there was sort of a, a well-rounded investment in community. I, I've kind of noticed that women are still investing in community and family. And a lot of times men have just become consumers. And I think once these guys get these consumer mentality where I can contribute, I don't have to clean my room or I'm only going to clean it when my, my mom yells at me. I'm only going to like play video games all the time and watch porn. You know, they don't necessarily snap out of that kind of mindset, whereas everybody else, everything just happens magically around them and learn to connect with people and how to have reciprocal relationships with their immediate family as well as their community at large. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to point out is like with abusive people, Savannah brought up Lundy Bancroft. The, the other point with Lundy Bancroft that really Lundy blew Bancroft, my mind. For people who didn't know, that's the, that's the author of the why does he do that book about men who are abusive, right? 
why does he do that? Understanding the minds of angry men, I think is the, is the title. Yeah. Um, but the, at the core of an abusive person's psyche is entitlement. They think that they are entitled to your deference, to your servitude, to your attention, to have sex with you, whatever it is, right? They feel entitled to own you. And they feel that they are entitled to use any means necessary, uh, whether it's through like emotional manipulation or even going as far as physical abuse, right? He's not physically abusive because, you know, he, his mom didn't hug him enough as a child. Um, he's abusive because, and he, you know, Lundy Bancroft goes through um, and debunks all of these myths, right? And then finally gets to the point of like, no, they are like that because they feel entitled. They feel entitled to use any means necessary, even force, in order to continue to get the things that benefit them. And that is why, ultimately, like low-value and negative-value men will never change, because at the core of their psyche is entitlement. And nobody who is super entitled just wakes up one morning and goes, you know what? I'm, I've been a bad person. You know, I'm going to do right by all the people I've hurt in the past. I'm going to change and become a better person. No, like if anything, they'll just adapt and become better manipulators. Yeah, exactly. They don't change the fundamental character flaw. Yeah, exactly. In order to change who you are as a person, you have to admit that you're wrong. You have to want to change. You have to be willing to put in the work, not just going to therapy, but actually like in your outside of the therapy session, your day-to-day life, you have to want to change those things. And based on what I see in men, I that is a very rare personality trait. Especially if they get in a relationship shortly after they break up with you. Like, he's not magically better for that woman he's dating three months after you guys broke up. I mean, that's impossible. It would have to be a year, at least to me, between your relationship and the next one where you can see this person actively. Not that you should be stalking your ex's social media anyways, girl. Log off, first of all. But anyways, if you were. (laughs) But let's say you were. You would have to see you know, close to a year of this guy making, I'm going to therapy. I'm working on my physical and mental health, like a dedication to self-improvement with, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of times, very few men are, even if they are doing it, are willing to admit it publicly anyway, but also most men aren't doing it. So if you don't see anything that's indicating any of that, there's just no way. A lot of guys will get straight up hostile if you imply that they need to improve. (laughs) Like incels, for example, get angry when they're like, oh, like you you keep telling me I have to improve my personality. Like this is why you're full of shit for telling me I have to improve. Like they actively do not want to improve. And just the feedback I get from men on Reddit, it's like they're so lacking in empathy. I mean, yeah, granted, like not every, the average man is not the same as the average Redditor. Yeah, they're they're bottom barrel men. Redditor to your men. Um, but, uh, you know, the feedback that I get from men is very much like, I don't have to change. I'm perfect just the way I am. I don't feel any empathy for you as a woman. All the rest of my girlfriends didn't have a problem with this. I don't know what your problem is. And, and also, if that, if, if that was true, then where are they? If they didn't have a problem with you, where are they? Why aren't you married? Yeah. Why didn't you marry them? Exactly. This is the first time I'm hearing of this. No, it's not. <laughs> 
exactly. And that's the, when they say this is the first time I'm hearing of it, probably they have heard it before. They just chose not to listen. Right. <laughs> this is the first time I'm choosing to listen to this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the first time I've heard it from you, more like. The from you is silent. And then they have a memory of a goldfish, so they'll probably go on to the next girlfriend and like oh, totally forget about all of the things that she said unless it's to serve his interest, right? And the other thing that's important to remember is like men and women are socialized very differently to value like improvement. Like women are raised to be very self-critical, to always put the blame on themselves. And while this is harmful, at the same time, it means that women are capable of like admitting fault and improving when it is necessary. Um, Men are socialized to not scrutinize themselves. They're socialized to externalize blame, blame other people. They're always the good boy in their mind or whatever. Um, And so they, they, I just don't think they're mentally capable of doing what it takes to improve. They're, They've crippled themselves psychologically. Yeah, I agree. On to the second question. Yeah, let's go to the second question. How do you feel about a man who is friends with his exes? Uh, So this uh, user is saying that I think her boyfriend is using the logic that they've moved on and are dating other people. So the boyfriend and the ex have moved on. And um, they also also share the same uh, friendship circle. Uh, the poster is saying he also talks to women that he used to fuck. <laughs> and <laughs> she's also, and she finishes with, I bet he wouldn't be okay if I talked to my exes regularly. Now, being friends with an ex is a tricky topic. Um, I'm not saying, I mean, I wouldn't say it's impossible to be friends with an ex, but I would say at the minimum, a lot of time it needs to have passed where you have no contact. I'm talking years, not months here. Especially if you shared a romantic relationship or even if, I think even if you have sex with the person, I think the dynamics of the relationship are forever changed. It can't just go back to what it was pre-sex. And I am a bit wary of men who keep exes around like he is the sun and all the planets orbiting around him. I mean, I've been stung by the whole, I'm just friends with my ex before. And it turned out he was sexting her whenever we had an argument so i'm a bit jaded by the whole thing personally and but but i also think that you know the main that question this woman needs to ask is okay what is his you know rationale for being friends with you know with an ex like what is keeping him tied to this person if you're just looking for friends then you can easily find more friends. I think you know what is you know tying him to this person in particular that is what she needs to investigate but even still like if she's not comfortable with it I think it is a very very valid boundary um to have especially if um you know the boyfriend and the ex have slept together and they and they were in a relationship I think it's dodgy territory personally I think exes can be civil but having a close friendship for me is a no it's just a no. Like if I, if a guy I was talking to was in regular contact with his ex, I would probably swerve that to be honest, because the drama is just, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, the potential for drama and the constantly, you know, second guessing, or what if it's more, what if it's more, it's just not worth it to me. And I don't, and I don't speak to any of my exes either. So I think that's a fair boundary um, to have if I'm not doing the same. Yeah, I get really confused by these types of questions because after I break up with someone, I never speak to them again. I don't even care if we have mutual friends. If they choose that guy over me, I I dump the whole friend group. I just move on and I just make new friends. 
Just get the scissors, chop, chop. Exactly. I just, like, have never hesitated to cut people off if I have any kind of, like, negative emotional association with them whatsoever. The only situation I can think of where it would be okay to be friends with an ex is if you have a child with them and you have to have, like, a co-parenting relationship. Like, that's the only... The only, like, logical, like, but that's because you have a child holding you together, right? If there's nothing else holding you together, like, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> but even then, though, Lilith, like, if we look at some of the step parent subreddits, even those situations go to complete hell because when the woman is the step parent, she quickly finds that, you know, the man often prioritizes the ex or the mother of his children above her as well. So, even that situation, it's understandable why they would be friends or close, but is it advisable to get into that situation? I don't think so. Yeah, I guess there's a difference between having a friendly co-parenting relationship and, like, still having feelings for your ex. Like, if he's putting his ex-wife over, you know, if it's if he's putting her over the girlfriend in the sense that it's, like, for the benefit of the children, like, okay, I can see that. But if it's just not for the benefit of the children, it's just because he still has feelings for her or whatever, then, yeah, next that guy. Like, why? There's always... The other thing about being quote-unquote friends is what exactly does that mean? Does that mean he's calling and texting them? If that's the case, then absolutely not. If they're just... If it's some person he dated in high school that he's had on his Facebook forever or something, and, you know, he's now in his 30s, I don't know that I'm necessarily as... I don't know, uh, bothered by it. But again, when we say friends, like I think we're trying to say someone who's actively engaging still with a person they used to date. And I think that is impossible. I think that's a situation that definitely, no, you can't still be invested in a relationship with a, a, a person that used to have sex with and then try to invest in a relationship with a new person who you are now having sex with and expect those interests not to compete at times. Yeah. Yeah, it depends how close they are as friends. If it's just Facebook friends, like, they don't talk that often, then, yeah, okay, that's fine. But if, like, I actually did date a guy whose best friend, like, top, like, best friend since elementary school was also a woman he had, like, dated for five years. Like, they were best friends since elementary school, they dated for five years, and then they broke up. And then he started dating me. And just the emotional baggage of that just... No, I, I, we only dated for like two months, but it was just creepy to see, like I actually hung out with them as a group. Like he invited me to hang out with his friends a few times and just seeing the way that like they sat next to each other, like she would like put her hand on his thigh and like, just, they would like touch each other and just like, I don't know. I just felt so, I felt like the third wheel in that situation. Yeah. If they're actively still engaging with each other in that manner, I think that's not, that's not a tenable situation. I don't think you can be friends with your ex in that capacity. I think it's only if, yeah, like, like, like you guys already said, if they have a child or if you're like cursory acquaintances, like say they work in your industry or something and, you know, you have them on your LinkedIn page, like, I, you know what I mean? Stuff like that, where they're sort of peripheral people that you, necessi- you didn't necessarily actively go and remove from all your social media, but they're not people you're talking to. Right. And I think that's what you really have to gauge when it comes to uh, friends with an ex. Because I don't think you can, I think you can be acquaintances perhaps um especially and also i think there's a city slash rural divide on this one the more i think about it because i think if you live in a large city it's really easy to make all these small connections with people that you're you know oh follow my instagram follow my facebook follow my linkedin you go out to the club you meet people through like work events and you know you have all these cursory peripheral friends on your on your facebook um 
But I think if you are in a smaller town or you like have a close-knit group of friends you've always known, it gets a little weirder to try to extricate yourself from that situation. I think it's easier to cut off acquaintances that you're not that close with than it is sometimes with people you've known for a very, very, very long time. And like you have a smaller community. Yeah. In a big city, it's easier to cut people off. It's easier to make new friends in a smaller community. That's not the case. So that's, that's another exception. But as a general rule, I'd say it's a red flag. And it isn't even just the ex, though. He also talks to women he's had sex with as well. So, uh, uh, yeah, this guy sounds like he's collecting a harem of women, to be honest, because he's also talking to women he's, like, shagged casually. Yeah, it's a no from me, dog. This is a no. Abort. (laughs) Block and delete. The other important thing to remember is that it doesn't really matter what the situation is between them if it's making you uncomfortable. This. If yeah. your intuition is saying like mm, this is kind of shady, like this doesn't sit right with me, if it makes you uncomfortable, you know, don't subject yourself to that. Oh, are they or aren't they? Kind of thing. Like just just move on. There's plenty of fish in the sea. Hundred percent. Like I wish you know I had acted on that when uh, my ex told me he was still talking to his ex. I remember I felt really weird about it. Like at the time, and he was like, oh, "Why are you weird about it?" Um, it turns out my intuition was correct. So. Uh, Yes, so don't be like me. And if it is making you feel uncomfortable, that is reason enough to set your boundaries. You don't necessarily have to catch them in anything before, you know, your spidey sense goes off. Women need to stop gaslighting themselves. Like, they need to be like Spider-Man. Like, when, you know, Spider-Man's spidey sense went off, even if he was in a situation that looked harmless, he always acted on it. I'm really into Spider-Man at the moment. I just thought that was a good analogy. But yeah, be more be more like Spider-Man. When your spidey sense goes off, you know, you need to be on alert. That is when you have to, to really, really assess your surroundings and see if everything is really what it seems. Because a woman's intuition is so important, for any women listening to this, I just want to reassure you that you know, you're not crazy. You know, your your boyfriend or whoever is probably going to try to, like, gaslight you and be like, oh, you're being irrational, you're being crazy, like, nothing's happening, blah, blah, blah. Like, chances are, if you think that something is wrong, there probably is something wrong, and you don't need to be gaslit, and you definitely don't need to gaslight yourself. And the friends should know better, too, because I've had male friends before, and when they got in relationships, I backed off, and I, nobody had to tell me. I just sort of realized, like, okay, I I like this person. It's the person I want to see happy and in a good relationship, meaning, like, they're truly my friend, and it's not about me and all the attention they can give to me. Now, sometimes it meant, like, Oh, you know, if I had something I wanted to do or talk about that, I would normally be like invite, you know, my male friend and maybe some female friends and I would back off. But, and I, I would think, man, it would be really nice if they would come. But I also would understand, you know, this person, they're building a new friend group with uh, the person that they're dating. And I think you have to allow people that you love the space to grow, you know, in their own direction. So I think even, you know, if you're on the other side and you're a woman, you have a male friend and you see that he's getting into a new relationship. I think if that's really your friend, you need to back off and let that person grow in the direction that they need to grow. And that's an important point about friends is that it's, it should be about like, if you're truly friends, you, you should have the emo- emotional maturity and wherewithal to, like, put the other person first when appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, that's our show. Please make sure to visit our website at thefemaledatingstrategy.com, as well as our new Patreon, patreon.com forward slash thefemaledatingstrategy. Thank you for listening, queens, and for all you lurking stay-at-home sons, uh, die mad. And we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.